0: I love Herb, just a second ago, I got to see him. He's like, should I pray? Like, Herb, you should always pray. Anytime you pray, you, you, you pray well, you pray well. Um, well, hey, uh, we have a treat this morning. Megan is actually gonna teach today, which is gonna be awesome. Um, don't cheer too much. She hasn't even given the message yet, okay? Cheer on the front. No, um, it's funny, I la- actually originally had asked Megan to speak last week, uh, but last week was Mother's Day. And so as the week came on, it was kind of weird to be like, happy Mother's Day, here's a lot of work to do thanks for giving me the morning off. Uh, That didn't feel right. So we moved it to this week. Um, But I'm so excited about what she's sharing this morning. So excited about what God has shown her. And uh, I know it's just going to, it's going to bless all of us this morning. So just be open to whatever God shares through his word and enjoy. All right. So there you go.
1: Hey everybody. (laughs) I am really excited to share about this um, part of Romans. It has something in it that I am so passionate about and love talking about, so I feel really excited to get to talk about it with you guys this morning. Um, But before we jump into the new stuff, we want to make sure that we understand the framework of what Romans has been talking about, because it's been a lot of things. Romans gives so much information to us as Jesus followers, and the way Paul writes is a little messy, but this is the framework of what we've been talking about, that when we are born, We are born with flesh. Sometimes we call that sin nature. um, And you think of it like humanity, like that, that human part of us. We're born with that, and that leads to death. And Justin's gone over this a lot. That no matter what, this is the result, according to Scripture. But because of Jesus, we get to be born again, and we're born into the Spirit, and that leads to life. And this is what all of Romans is talking about. Um, But as Romans talks about it, like I said before... It's a little messy. We've used this as our diagram to describe what this is like. This is what it feels like reading Romans sometimes, and this is what it feels like inside of us as we try to figure out how to live from the spirit birth and not the flesh birth. It can feel very tangled, and it can feel very messy. What we're going to do today is we're going to pull at some of these strings and see what happens, okay? Okay. We're going to look at some of the things in Romans, and we're going to pull on them a little bit. I don't expect this whole mess to unravel and all of a sudden have great clarity, but we are going to get clarity on some really important things for us as Jesus followers. We're going to jump around in Scripture a lot, using Romans as our anchor, as we pull on some of these threads. Is everyone good with that? Okay. So let's start where Justin left off last week, and we're in Romans 8, verse 5. We're going to read 5 to 10. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, so again, we're getting that same framework. Set on the flesh is death, Spirit is life. Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And Justin talked about the law before. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. We're not going to spend a lot of time on law today. That's not the thread we're going to pull, okay? Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, in that section, there's a lot going on. You have Paul talking about mind and spirit and body and flesh and all these things. And you start to really get a sense of the picture that you're not just one part. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. And if you're at home, you can interact with this online. Be honest, okay? And I'll tell you, I will raise my hand on this. How many of you talk to yourself? Okay. Now, wait, wait. How many of you answer yourself? (laughs) Okay. How many of you answer yourself out loud accidentally in front of other people and they hear it? (laughs) Okay. I do that. I'm talking myself through something and we shouldn't be surprised. We're not one part. We can have like inner conversations with ourselves, inner arguments with ourselves, trying to convince ourselves to do something or not do something. But we shouldn't be surprised because God made us that way. We're gonna take a look at Genesis. Genesis 1, very beginning, okay, verse 26. And it says, then God said, listen to, watch the pronouns, it's really cool. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Isn't that interesting? When God made us He made us in his image, but he said our image. Because God is not one part. So we should not be surprised, being made in the image of God, that we are not one part either. God is actually three parts. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We hear that when we baptize people. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is God. All together. But each part has a function, and they all work together in perfect harmony, So we shouldn't be surprised when we feel like we've got more than one part going on inside of us. Does that make sense? Okay. The cool thing about that is it was on purpose. Okay, Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says, For you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. The parts of you were made on purpose. That's not a curse. That's not something that we have to be afraid of. God looked at you and made you in different parts on purpose. He has a plan for that. And that's the thread we're going to pull out a little bit. What, What are these parts exactly? In the New Testament, we get a lot of language about our minds, our bodies, our hearts, our souls, our spirits, all of these different things all alluding to the different parts of us. But God is really good because he packaged it for us all in one little verse that we can just pull at and look at and see the parts of us. So I'm gonna read this verse and I want you to pick out the parts of you, okay? It's 1 Thessalonians. I told you we're jumping around a lot. I have paper clips in my Bible, so it makes a little bit faster. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Listen for the parts, okay? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see them? Okay, it's your spirit, your soul, and your body. So we have three parts. This is us, okay? And I have a little diagram because I'm a teacher and I love this, okay? Okay. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Some of these things are really easy to identify in ourselves. Some of them are not. But we're going to start with the easy one. Okay, the Greek word for body used in that part of um, Thessalonians is soma. Okay, the body is easy to identify. You know why? Because it's visible. We can see our bodies. It's really, really easy to pinpoint what our bodies are. Okay, our bodies our appearance, our physical features, our energy, our fitness, our talent, all of the things that you can see and touch and feel. This is it's your body. And that's part of you that God made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. He picked you out. He picked out your height. He knows the hairs on your head. This is precious to God. He made this in you. You are a body but you are also a soul and a spirit. This is harder, okay? And it's harder for one main reason, because both of these are unseen parts of us. You cannot see your soul, and you cannot see your spirit. So it's hard for us to identify what is our soul and what is our spirit. But the Greek words give us a little bit of a hint, okay? Psyche, psychiatry, psychology. It's that part of us that's unseen, but it like makes up who we are. That's our souls. Things like this. Our emotions. Oh, it's tearing. Hold on. My tape is too strong. Okay. It's our emotions, our thoughts, our opinions. Do you have opinions? I have opinions. Okay. Our preferences, our intellect, how you think. Passions, dreams, desires, personality, these are all parts of you and they make you uniquely you, but you can't see them. Okay? Sometimes we get in trouble. People can't always see my opinions <laughs> until I roll my eyes, <laughs> and then they can see it. <laughs> okay? But you, this is all a part of you. You are designed with these things, you are designed with a soul, but it's unseen. Does everybody understand what we're talking about? Okay, so you've got body, and you've got soul, and you've got spirit. So if this is our soul, what is our spirit? And it's really cool because we have another little, like, treasure of a verse in Hebrews that talks exactly about soul and spirit, okay? It's in Hebrews 4, verse 12. I love these little treasures of verses that just tie it all together, Hebrews 4:12 says, "For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart." So there, Hebrews is really clear, there's a division here. These are not the same thing. They're different, and they're divided. Okay, just like we talked about God has different parts and they all work together, all of our parts influence each other, but they're all separate things, okay? You can see how your soul would influence your body, right? You know, your thoughts and emotions might make you do things physically, Okay, Your spirit also has influence over your soul and your body. The word spirit, pneuma, means breath. That's how the, God's word describes our spirits, It's our breath. And this is really cool. In this verse, and as I was praying about this today, and God showed me this, I was so excited, okay? This is where you're gonna need to turn on your nerdy brain a little bit, okay? And we're gonna let God use that to teach us something deeply spiritual, okay? He says, it divides soul and spirit like joint and marrow. That's weird. Whenever I come across something in the Bible, I'm like, that's weird. There's a reason, God doesn't waste anything. And when he gives us an analogy or he gives us a metaphor, he picked it out. There's something there for us. He could have said it divides right and left. That's very high concept, right? Right and left. Wouldn't that be better? Or it divides horizon and sea. I don't know, but he didn't. He said joint and marrow. Why? Because our soul is like our joints and our spirit is like our marrow. See, our soul, our joints are in our body. You can kind of see my wrist, but you can't see the inner workings of my wrist or something really bad has happened to my wrist, (laughs) okay? You can't see the bones and the ligaments and the tendons, but you kind of know it's there. That's what our soul's like. It's unseen, but it moves us around. It's what moves us. We do the things that we do because of our souls. Any psychiatrist or psychologist would tell you that. That the things you do, you do, because of your soul. The things you do in your body, you do because of your soul, okay? If I go eat a bunch of ice cream because I'm sad, that's my soul, okay? (laughs) We do the things we do because of our souls. It's like our joints that move us around. We can't see it exactly. We know it's there and it moves us, okay? But spirit, spirit is marrow, Marrow is the deep center of your bones, so unseen and so core to our beings. Spirit is marrow, and you have a spirit. That deep core of you, that deep center of you, is what God talks to. And I want to show you this through the analogy of marrow. Okay, so nerdy brain, here we go. All right. I don't have a lot of medical knowledge, so we're just gonna use like the basic medical knowledge. I'm sure some of you in here know way more about bone marrow than I do, but here we go. So bone marrow makes your blood. Okay, it makes the blood in your body. And it makes three different cells of blood. And that directly correlates to what our spirit does. I think this is so cool. Written before modern medical science, God knew what he was talking about. And he said the marrow makes red blood cells. Are you with me? I know, I'm a teacher, it's early. Okay, sorry, I get nerdy early in the morning. Your red blood cells carry oxygen to your body. Your spirit carries the breath of God to you. It communes with God. That's what your spirit does. Okay, in Genesis 2-7... It says, when God created man, this is the story of God making Adam. This is how God made Adam. It says, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Do you know how many things God breathed into when he created them? Us. Just us. Us. He made the trees and the oceans and the clouds and the sunsets and the birds and all of the things, but he breathed into you. And that breath is the spirit. That's what talks to God. When you're in worship and you're in that moment where you're worshiping and you can, that's that. That's spirit. It communes with God. Just like red blood cells take oxygen all through our body, our spirit takes God's spirit all through our lives. Okay? Okay? Marrow also creates platelets, okay? Platelets are the part of your blood that forms like a scab when you're cut. So when we're hurt, our body physically makes something to heal us. Your spirit is marrow. Your spirit makes what you need to be healed, okay? When we walk around in this world, it's a broken world. There are things that hurt us, And there are things that wound us, and they're deep, and they're unseen. But we have a spirit that brings healing to those wounds. Now listen to me when I say this. We often try to heal ourselves out of our souls. How many times do you try to fix a problem with your logic? Guilty. (laughs) Guilty. Or you're just going to sit and cry it out and hope it goes away, okay? We need our spirits alive so that we can be healed from all the stuff that goes on. And we can be walking around as whole people, okay? But wait, there's more. Marrow has one more cell, okay? And it's the white blood cell. White blood cells are made by marrow to fight off infection, okay? Okay? So guess what your spirit does? It fights off the infection of sin. Yes, it's true, it does. It fights the infection of sin. Like I said, we live in a broken world. We're walking around. Sin is everywhere. The enemy, try, it says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. How do we fight that off? We fight that off with our spirits because our spirits have won, okay? Our spirits are victorious. How often, reality check for myself too, do I try to fight off sin with my soul? I'm going to muster it. I'm going to will it to happen. But our spirits are what fight off sin. Okay? Now here's a good question. We've been talking in Romans about flesh versus spirit. So which part is flesh and which part is spirit? We'll start with the easy one. Which one's spirit? Spirit, that's right, okay. Spirit is spirit, that one was easy. So which part is flesh? Eh, Body for sure and soul. We don't like to call our souls flesh though. We don't like it. Because we really like our souls. We love our opinions and we love our preferences and our personalities, but it's flesh. We don't like to call it flesh because we know where flesh leads, right? Ugh. Okay. We don't like to call it flesh because we don't want it to lead to death. But the truth is, our soul is flesh. Okay, we're going to take a look at Galatians, Galatians 5. And I'm telling you, when Paul wrote Galatians, he had to be thinking the same things he was thinking when he wrote Romans. Um, Because it's very parallel, Galatians 5. So as we read it, you're going to see things like, that sounds familiar. And it should, because we've been talking about this stuff. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not be able to do the things that you please. Does it sound familiar? What Justin's been talking about week after week? That flesh versus Spirit, all of this stuff is going on. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, he's talking about law again. I'm telling you, Paul was having like deja vu when he was writing this. Now, I'm about to read a list In verse 19, it's a really ugly list, okay? It's a list of a bunch of sins. And it's tempting when we read this list to start going like, oh, I did that, okay, and start getting discouraged. That's not how I want to read it today. I want you to read this list of flesh and ask, where does it come from? And see if it's really coming from the soul, okay? The deeds of the flesh are evident, and this is verse 19, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. Now, I might look at that and go, well, that's body, but it's body driven by soul, okay? Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy. Where does that come from? It comes from my soul. Outbursts of anger, soul. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, we can read that list and we're tempted to throw everything into the body category. You know, drunkenness and immorality and those are things we do in our bodies, but they are driven by our souls. Our souls are flesh. They are flesh. And we have to be honest and truthful about that. All of it. Psalm 139 says fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Didn't God make this stuff? And He did. He did. He gave you dreams. He gave you your goals. He wrote out your days and gave you a personality and gave you opinions and gave you the ways that you do things, all the little quirky things you do. Psalm 139 says, You are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. He knows your soul. He made it. And the thing is, it's not all bad but it is all flesh, period. Okay, so when we label this, all right, we have soul, hold on. Moms need three hands, okay. All right, we have soul, this is flesh. It has to be, okay? If you keep reading in Galatians five, it gives you a list of the things that come from the spirit. And I love this list. Verse 22, it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And when you look at that list, love, joy, peace, those are the things that we want. Self-control. We try to muster self-control. You can't. It's spirit. Love is spirit. And yes, emotions, we feel love and we feel joy. But when the spirit gives us love and the spirit gives us joy and the spirit gives us peace, he gives it to us at times it doesn't make sense. For instance, how many of you have ever been praying and there's something going on and you're going to God with this trouble or this situation or this conflict and you go in prayer and you go in troubled, and you leave with peace. It's because you went in troubled, and you left with the peace of the spirit. How many of you have walked into this building after a long week with many things going on, and you get into worship, and you feel joy? It doesn't make sense, but it's from the spirit. Those fruits are from the spirit, And hear me, cannot be mustered by your souls. Okay? Those are spirit things. So what do we do with this? We have our flesh, we have our spirit. We're going to keep pulling on the thread, okay? And go a little further down Galatians 5. It's the fun part. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When we follow Jesus, there is only one way that we can live. And it has to be with our flesh crucified. Okay. Now, that crucifixion is not an eraser. Okay. You have a job to go to tomorrow. You're going to need your body to go there. Okay. You might have exams at school. You're going to need your brain. You're going to need your intellect. You're going to need your personality. You're going to need those things. This is not an eraser my friends, it is a burial, okay? This gets buried, right? When you follow Jesus, you have to bury your flesh, and there is a surrender that happens there. It's hard because we don't like to surrender things. Like I said, we like these things about ourselves, but God does too. And if He's asking us to surrender them, we can trust Him that He's got something good planned in that burial. Okay? So we have to consider our flesh buried. Back in Romans, it says those who set their minds on things of the flesh and those who set their minds on things of the spirit. That word literally means like a framework, a lens. When you follow Jesus, this is no longer your lens. It's buried. The Spirit is your lens. This is how we are called to live. Okay, Back to Romans 8. Back to our anchor chapter. Romans 8, 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's this. You are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now I'm gonna stop there for a minute, because there's a lot of ifs in that. And if you're someone who's sitting there going, If I have the spirit, do I? If, if, that's a big if. Hold that if. We're gonna come back to it, okay? So don't let that if get in your way as we're continuing to talk. Hold that if and we're gonna come back to it. We're gonna circle back around. This is another way I wanted to kind of show how this works. As a Jesus follower, this is how we live. See, I made like a little burial, (laughs) okay? Put it underground. I love pictures, I love visuals. So this is how we're supposed to live. Our soul and body are buried, and our spirit is alive, and the lens through which we look And while it is hard to surrender our dreams, our opinions, our control, what does God do with dead things? Romans 8, next verse, verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, But if the spirit of him, I love this, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Up until this point, all Paul's talked about is body death, flesh death, all of it death, okay? And here he flips it on its head and says, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your bodies. Now your body gets life through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, this is what's so cool. This is no longer a burial ground. It's the Holy Spirit's garden. And you've just planted a bunch of seeds. When you surrender your dreams and you surrender your goals and your will and your opinion and your preferences and you bury it in the ground, the Holy Spirit gets to look down and say, oh, I love this part of them. I'm gonna make that grow. And it looks down and says, hey, your talent, that amazing talent you have in your soul, I'm gonna grow that up. And the pride that used to accompany it, that's gonna stay buried, okay? It looks at you and says, hey, that dream that I gave you, as a little kid, of something you wanted to do, I'm going to start growing that up. And the insecurity that the world put there, that's going to stay down. And God gets to look at you and pick out the things about you that he loves, that he put there, that he made when you were formed. And he formed your inward parts. And he gets to grow up this amazing garden. And he gets to put down the things that aren't supposed to be there. The pride, the insecurity, the fear, all of that stays buried. And you get to live alive with the Spirit being what pulls up and grows in you, who you are supposed to be. You know that feeling? Justin's mentioned a lot, like we feel like we're not who we're supposed to be. This is who we're supposed to be. Surrendered, and then the Spirit gets to do His work. And the things that you were always supposed to do, He grows up. And the things you were never supposed to have stay gone. Okay. Romans, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? We have an enemy. Who plays with our minds. And he would like you to believe that surrendering yourself is a death of all the things. But that's not what God's word says. He gave up his son. How will he not also freely give us all things? All things! All the things! All the things that you want, that love, that joy, that relationship, that communing with God, the healing of your wounds, the ability to fight off the enemy and just go. All things are given to you by the God of the universe when you live this way. Don't let the enemy tell you this is death. This is life. It's death of all the stuff he wants, hallelujah. And it's life of all the stuff that God wants. We get all the things. All the things. So there's a list. I made a list out of Romans 8 of all the things that Paul mentions that we we get. Now, it's not a comprehensive list, but it's a good list. And when we live this way, when we live with the Spirit in charge, here's what we get. You are no longer obligated to your flesh. All those times that you struggle and all of the shame that you feel over all the struggles, you are no longer obligated to any of it. It's done. You get to live according to the spirit. You get freedom from slavery. Anything you feel like that enslaves you, anything that you feel like has a hold on you, worry over finances, addictions, things that just plague your mind, You get freedom, freedom from it. You don't have to live with it anymore. You don't have to live with it anymore. You get to cry out to God and call him daddy. Romans 8, verse 15. I didn't give this one to the guys back there, but it says, "'For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading again to fear.'" But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You get to look at God and call him Daddy. You get to do that. I'm not making it up. It's not a fairy tale. It's not some dream. It's not some nice thing written. For real, you get to go to God and call him daddy. And I don't know what relationship you have with your regular father. I have an awesome dad. You get to go to God. And he looks at you and sees a child calling him daddy when you live like this. Okay? Also, you get to be an heir with Jesus. Think about that for a minute. The inheritance of Jesus, we get to share in that inheritance. We're like co-heirs with Jesus. I didn't do anything. Jesus did it all, and now I get to share in his inheritance when I live this way. You get help in your weaknesses. It says the Spirit will help us in our weaknesses. When you are willing to bury your soul, your weaknesses get buried too. And the Spirit gets to step in and bring strength out of all of the things you think are weaknesses. And he's going to bring it all to life. You get strength in your weaknesses. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. This is a really cool concept. When we are facing things that we can't describe, and our souls and our emotions don't have words, it's okay because the breath breathes for you and it calls out to God on your behalf. Have you ever thought about that? About God calling out to God on your behalf when you don't know what to say or do? You get that when you live this way. It also says all things work together for good. God's only gonna grow good things. You're going to get all the good things. It also says you get overwhelming, conquering victory. If you want to live in victory, this is how you need to live. It says you get to be called. God has a calling for you. And when it's in here, he brings it up. You get to be called, justified, and glorified with Jesus. That's what you get when you live this way. I want to read from Romans 8, verse 31 through 39, okay? And understand that living this way precedes what I'm about to read, okay? Thirty-one through thirty-nine. It says, "What shall we say then to these things? You've just you you're being buried. Welcome to your funeral. You're being buried. The spirit's going to live. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely?" Give us all things. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. I was thinking about, I'm going to pause here for a minute. I was thinking about the, um, the story in the New Testament when the Pharisees bring the woman before Jesus and they throw her down. They say, we caught her in adultery. What should we do? Trying to trap Jesus. And he says, you know, he who's without sin casts the first stone. And then he looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? When you live this way, where are your accusers? You have none. Okay? So we're back in verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? No one. You have no accusers. Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I want you to look back. Look at this. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, that's soul and body, okay? That's a tax on your soul and on your body. Verse 37, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. It's pretty much covering all of it, but it keeps going. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to me. When you live like this, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because this is going on within you and nothing can touch it. Nothing can take this away from you. When the Holy Spirit grows something in you, nothing can touch it. For too long, we have lived with our bodies and our souls as our lens, letting the enemy use that as his playground. I am not the enemy's playground. I am the Spirit's garden, period. And this is how we get to live, and nothing can touch it, nothing. It cannot be taken away from you. This is eternal. Now, I want to go back to that if that we held. Okay? That if. Where, um, in verse 9, Paul says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I want to pause here for a minute. Because when we talk about the Spirit of God, it's hard to understand. And people have kind of messed it up. There have been a lot of people, church people, who have taught about the Holy Spirit and haven't been truthful and created a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go to God's word that we know is truth and ask what about the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament, when Jesus is leaving his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you my spirit. And this happens a bunch of different times in the New Testament that's recorded. I'm sure it happened more than what's recorded. One time, Jesus meets with his disciples and breathes on them the Spirit. Another time, they're in a room and a violent wind comes and sweeps through and they all have tongues of fire on their heads and they're speaking in different languages and they have the Spirit. Another time, there's disciples in a room praying and there's an earthquake and there's the Spirit. Peter says... Repent, be baptized, get the Spirit. So how does it work? Yes, all of it. God can do whatever he wants to do, and the enemy would like to confuse us and tell us it has to happen a certain way. But we can see clearly in the New Testament, it happens in a variety of ways, how the Holy Spirit comes on us. Now, is he on us, in us, around us, through us? Yes, (laughs) He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But we are clear that we need the Holy Spirit to live this way. This is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit. So what do we do to get the Holy Spirit? Does it just happen? It's a good question, right? We're all confused. (laughs) Because it's confusing. Because people have confused it. But Jesus is very clear about how we get more of the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And I'm sorry, I don't know who's told you about the Holy Spirit, but Jesus knows the Holy Spirit better than anybody. Okay? Any person. Jesus knows the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Luke 11, 13. If then, being evil know how to give good, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I don't know what you've been told about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your experiences have been with people who say they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is very clear. How much more to those who ask? That's it ask. That's all we have to do. We have a good father. we just saying, you are good, you are good. We have a good father. And when we go to him and ask for the Holy Spirit, he gives it to us. I would like for us to not miss this opportunity to ask for the Holy Spirit. Now we're all in different places in the room. Some of you Maybe like, Jesus, I'm not even really sure, talking about spirit, I'm a little weirded out by this. Here's the truth. You are spirit. God breathed into you, and you know it. And that spirit needs to be alive, and that's only through Jesus. So during this time of prayer, if you know that in your core there's something missing, it's the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And during this time of prayer, I'd like for you to talk to God about that and what Jesus means to you. It's your chance, like Peter said, to repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, all in one, okay? Now for some of us, we are Jesus followers. We have been following Jesus for a long time and living out of the lens of our souls. Your spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is with you. It's time to ask God for more and let the Spirit be in charge. If you've been living out of your soul, here's how you'll know. You're confused, you're exhausted, you're discouraged. The Spirit is not confused. He is not exhausted. He wants to work through you. And if you've been living out of your soul, it's time to talk to God, your Father, and say, I want spirit alive. I want spirit in charge. I want spirit on, in, around, however you wanna do that. I want your spirit to lead me. I will bury myself so that you can grow what you want to grow. Some of us in here live like this. It's a process. He's growing stuff, he's killing stuff, in his time, in his way, and in his order. And when we live like this, I don't have to tell you, ask for more, it's so good. It's so, so, so good. We can always ask God for more. If in any part we feel like we're lacking, if in any part we want more of God, we can ask for more. It says, ask and he will give you how much more. So much more. So, during this time of prayer, wherever you're at in this process, do not miss the opportunity to go to your Father and ask Him for more. I want all the things. I want them all. And I am not afraid to ask. If there's any part of you, some of you, that personality, soul part, doesn't like to ask for things, okay? I won't make you raise your hands, but how many of you don't ask for directions even when you need to, okay? You don't wanna ask for help, you're gonna do it by yourself, okay? That needs to die, and you need to ask, ask. If any part of you goes like, I don't wanna ask, drop the pride Drop the insecurity, drop the doubt, and ask. And then watch what God does. So we're gonna pray together. I'm gonna give us some quiet time. I want you to talk to God. You can talk to God. I don't have to talk to God for you. You talk to God about where you're here and ask for the Spirit. And then I'm gonna close this out, okay? I'm gonna say, bow your heads and close your eyes, not because we have to, because you don't want distraction, okay? Okay? So we'll bow our heads and we'll close our eyes and talk to God and ask for that spirit. Father God, your word says, when we ask for your spirit, you give it to us. So we praise you. We praise you for the gift of your spirit. We praise you for sending us a part of yourselves to live with us and guide us and lead us and grow in us all of the things that you want us to have and all of the things that we so deeply need. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the power and the victory and the beautiful things you are going to grow in us. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I, I want to say that for a long time, Church people have focused on all of like the supernatural things the Spirit can do, and the earthquakes and the fire and the speaking in the different languages and all of those things. And said so that's the miracle. I want you to hear this: the miracle is you have the Spirit with you, with you, when you walk out the door, with you, when you wake up in the morning, with you when you go to bed at night, when you parent, when you have to talk to your spouse, when you have to talk to your boss, with you. He's with you. Now, I'm gonna leave with this. This is a song that I'm not singing, okay. (laughs) I'm gonna get to sing in heaven. I talked to God about it. I was like, I'm gonna get a good voice in heaven. Um, But this is a song that I love and I would encourage you to make this like a, a daily prayer as the Spirit grows the stuff in you, this is a really great way to word the surrender of our bodies and souls. And it's Hymn of the Holy Spirit by Pat Barrett. And here's the words, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this over us. Holy Spirit, guide my vision. Help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus, Christ in all, Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking. Words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercies I have found. You're the light. You're my path. You are the shepherd of my soul. All I am and all I have. Holy Spirit, lead me on. Holy Spirit, guide my hearing. Wake my ears to words you speak. In the thunder and in the stillness, let your voice be clear to me. Holy Spirit, lead me onward, walking through the great unknown, trusting, leaning, holding, clinging, till the day you lead me home. So be blessed in your week. The Holy Spirit is with you. And I know that we have a baptism coming up. We do. So I'm gonna turn it over to Justin.
0: Sweet. Yeah, well done. I don't know about you, I learned a lot today. Ready? Like I'm just like sitting in class and, and I, I'll tell you guys this, uh, you guys can go ahead and make your way into the tank if you want. Uh, we've got an amazing, amazing young girl named Annabelle that's getting baptized this morning. Don't leave because this is, uh, this is family. This is family and our family's growing. Um, one of the things I love so much about what Megan shared today, and I sat, I'm like just eating this up, like, oh, I've never thought about it that way uh, before. I think one of the greatest tragedies of church in America And many of us have experienced this. Maybe you're new to church, and that's great. You have a lot, you don't have to unlearn as much. But there's this version of our faith that that tells us to do all the spirit stuff out of the flesh, to try hard, to do it right, to figure it out. And it's strategies and it's and it's advice. And it's all fine, but it's not spirit beautiful thing about God is that he's the one that does the work. That's what Megan, he's, he's the gardener, right? You're his garden. It's not you that has to do all the work. It's actually you that just has to surrender and be like, do your thing. And so I want to encourage you to keep praying that all week long. This was a, this is a good word today. That was, this was good. I'm so glad we're here. All right. I'm also glad I married that woman. Okay. Uh, I guess what I should say is I'm glad she married me that's actually the truth um, well hey I'm gonna pray I'm going to turn it over to uh, to Sandra who's going to introduce you guys to Annabelle um, if you're new here when people go all in with Jesus when they give their heart to Jesus the first step when you do that is to get baptized it's what Jesus asked us to do and so we, we do that and as you came in this morning you, you may have seen this light fixture in the lobby with all these lights that are on and off and it's not broken the, the reason that most of the lights were off is not because it's broken. It's because every time someone gets baptized, we turn another light on uh, because Jesus actually calls us the light of the world. And when we get connected to him, like we come to life in a new way. And that's what's happening in Annabelle's life. She's ready for this. It's really exciting. And as a church, we're gonna celebrate with her. We're gonna cheer for her and we're gonna commit to support her as she grows. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word that you shared this morning through the, for the worship, Lord for your spirit, God, I pray that you would solidify in our hearts and our minds that when we ask you for what you tell us to ask you for, you give it to us. Give us the faith to believe that when we ask you for more, you will give us more. Give us the faith to believe that if we prayed this morning for more of your spirit, even if we don't fully understand it, because Lord, our mind is flesh and our flesh can't understand the spirit. So even if we don't understand what it all means and how it all works exactly, Although I know you made it more clear today than maybe most of us have had it had put before, but I pray, Lord, that we believe it, that we walk out of here today believing that your spirit is alive and active and at work in us, that your spirit is changing us and shaping us and growing us. That we are not our enemy's playground, as Megan said, we are your spirit's garden. So grow us in whatever way you desire. And I pray that we just surrender to you similar to the way that Annabelle is surrendering her life to you now. Grow all the good things, Lord. We want it all. We love you. Amen.